Hello and welcome back to Well With My Soul, the podcast from Seven Vineyard about spiritual and emotional health. My name is Bern Leckie and I have a panel of people today, but I'm going to ask you, first of all, tell us what do people know you for and is there a surprising version of you that people don't know? Owen, can we start with you? Yeah, hi Bern. I'm a pastor of a church and If they were listening to this and they've been to my clinic, they might also know me as an inflictor of pain because I'm a physiotherapist. So that's what you might know me for. Um, What you might not know me for, I have a closet interest in aeroplanes and trains and automobiles. So I'm a bit of a planes, trains and cars kind of guy. And uh, I don't shout about it because it's not particularly cool. But if, uh, if a plane goes overhead, I'll be able to tell you what it is to some extent from the noise it makes and certainly the shape of it. I never knew that. Oh my gosh, I learn something every day. Whoa. I'm surprised that... you don't know, Anna. You've I known mean, Owen for years. Who even right. knew that planes have different sounds? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just crazy. I went on a plane once and I thought I'd, I'd remembered every aspect of it for a friend of mine who's, a, who's similar. And I told them exactly what model it was and exactly what config it was and how many seats there were across. He said, yes, 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 I know, I know all that. I know all that. I was like, what registration number was it? <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not what like sound that. did it make? <laughs> and have... what sound? Yeah, and what, where do they put their registration plates? I've never seen them. I don't know. Dan, uh, what do people know you for? What's a surprising version of you that people don't know? So I guess people know me for the different roles that I do. Uh, one is with the church on the staff team. Another is with the charity that I lead. Um, or it may be, yeah, I guess in the different communities that I'm part of. Um, aspects that are uh, less known may be around my fanatical love for cricket, having grown up in India. I guess people wouldn't necessarily see that. And also, I speak Arabic, so I feel like sometimes that's a part of me, an important part of me, that some people I know, including some people I know well, just never get to see. Dan, give us a bit of Arabic now. Marhaba Owen, kif hal, ana ktir mishtaklak u mabsurt ili shuftak iliyom. Shukran, Daniel. Shukran. Very good. Anna, what do most people know you for and what's the most surprising version of you? My roles in life are at my house and in my family and I'm a children's physio and I'm a champion of all things fostering. But what people might not know me for is my love of dressing up. So the other day... Nothing weird, but the other day I was charity shop shopping with my children, teenagers. Uh, They were like really cool stuff. And I bought a rabbit onesie and nothing has ever made me happier. (laughs) Any opportunity to wear it. I've already got big plans for Easter, for wearing it around the streets, uh, doing some kind of Easter egg hunt. If anyone wants to borrow it, you're really welcome. Now, Anna, Um, when you said nothing weird, you know, (laughs) define weird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Amazing. Helen, what do people know you for? And what's the most surprising version of you? And I think people probably know me for the roles that I do. I'm a play therapist. I also do a lot of the pastoral side of things around in our church and um, my, my family roles. And I don't know, you kind of think, but I think people perhaps know me as being quite chatty, smiley, engaged with people, just wanting to communicate that side of things. I just love being with people. People are just my interest. 
But actually, there's that kind of other side to me that people may not know, which is where I just really have to withdraw. And I withdraw with an iPad and will watch any series. And I have to watch it on my own. I don't want to share it with anybody. And I like to watch it on my own. But it can be like more history, but kind of a story. So obviously the Downtons and the Poldarks I've really enjoyed. But even things like I recently watched one called Rebellion, which is about the Irish fight for independence. So anything like that. But I am a bit like a child because, you know, when a child comes off their gadget and they get quite angry and aggressive, if I'm into my series and somebody comes in, I'm a bit like, oh, I've got to kind of switch it off. And, and I have that moment where I know that I should and it's okay to engage again, but I really don't want to. That's very interesting, especially how... That sounds like a very different version of you from not just like the things that you do, but but how people might expect you to be if they know you in the daytime. What do you say brings that about? I love being people. And I know during the lockdowns, I, I thought I would enjoy being more on my own, but I absolutely did find out I hated it. But I also find it quite tiring, you know, to be engaged and to be communicative and being around people. I realised that actually it does take quite a lot out of me. So I find it tiring. So the way, in a way, I I re-energise is just to completely switch off from everybody. Even in the fact that if someone says, what are you watching? It's, can I watch it with you? And it's like, no, <laughs> no, it's mine. and I'm doing it on my own. It really is a, a complete cutaway from people. So I think it's how I, yeah, just re-energise. Yeah, yeah. So I relate to that in a way. Mine is people know me for being kind of, I don't know, maybe a bit of a helpful person around church or school and just doing a bunch of things. But what a lot of people don't know is is that given half the chance at home, I would fire up the PlayStation and play Japanese role-playing games, which is the least productive thing in real life that you could do, but feels like a sort of a simulator of growth and productivity in a way. But they're just fun. And, and you know what? They go on for hours. Uh, a typical one you you probably play for about 60 80 100 hours you sort of go <laughs> there's loads of things to do <laughs> it's like i'm really busy i've got loads of things to do in real life what i'll do is i'll stop doing those and how and play this video game where i've got loads of things to do and the, and i think the difference is that none of them matter <laughs> and so it's play and it's fun and uh and i'm i'm quite good at some of them as well so <laughs> I recognise myself in the in it. It's the same self that's there in the rest of the day, but it's also different. It's different sides of things. Things that maybe I think I don't know if I'm if I'm responsible during the day, and this this is a chance to get rid of responsibilities. How about that? Does anyone else relate to this sort of needing to express different sides of themselves, different times? How how else does that come out for you? Yeah, but so I have an example of my two roles as a pastor and a physio. As a physiotherapist, I'm treating someone. They're in pain. That physical pain might be affecting them mentally and they're in a vulnerable position. So uh, one of the things I, I don't do is is talk about me being a pastor of a church to them because I, I think they're in a vulnerable position. And I think lots of people will have a reaction to religion, um, a reaction to the idea that I'm a pastor of a church. Um, and that that would if they discovered that in the in the in a moment where they're in in need of my professional services as a physiotherapist, and they're in a context where you know they're vulnerable because they're a client, they're in pain, they've got uh, issues associated with their complaint that they're presenting with, 
the last thing that they need to hear here is uh, added stress as to my intentions by revealing to them that I'm a pastor of a church. So I would be I would be more careful about speaking about that in that context. Uh, I would say probably uh, 90% of my clients don't really learn that I'm a pastor of a church as well. And I just find that boundary is quite helpful. It respects them as, as my clients. Yeah, I can see how that would be helpful because I guess the information that you're a pastor might start to make people think there's a lot of other things on the agenda, like you say. Exactly. I can probably relate to what Owen is saying. As a, a therapist working in a non-faith-based centre, it would actually be potentially unethical for me to share my faith because firstly, as a therapist, um, it's important that people discover their own, where they're at and what they believe. It's, it's My role is not to share what I believe. But secondly, I'm also in a, a, a non-faith-based centre. So often I just, I, I just, that side of me, I do have to leave at the doorstep when I walk into work, when I'm with my clients, but that would be something, even if I was asked, it was probably something that I would then invite them to share what they believe rather than what I believe. And how does that feel to you when you when you think about how that makes you feel at work and how you feel about it afterwards? Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's mixed feelings. I mean, it's, it's helpful to let someone explore their own spirituality and their own faith and what they believe. And that's really important. But sometimes when I'm with a client, I just want to pray for them. I just do want to talk about Jesus or I want to pray for them or, or bring that side of my life in, in, in for them. I'm a helper. I want to help them. And I can't. And I do. I don't. That's not what, what I do. So I do just draw it back and rein it in. When I'm actually in work, in my workspace with my colleagues, then, um, then I, we do, I know my faith. Everyone knows my faith. And we talk about that. But actually, when I'm in a session, so it, I say I park it on the doorstep. I probably park it on the doorstep to the therapy room. I see. Okay. Yeah. Can I add to that? I think, I don't know if you'd agree with this, Helen, but what I don't leave at the door, I might, I might, I might leave that identity as a Christian at the door, but what I don't leave at the door is seeking to allow the Holy Spirit to kind of grow those, the fruit of the Spirit in me, like love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all those things. So I hope that most people, if, if most of my clients, if they discovered I was a Christian, they'd go, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense because they were that kind of person. Um, that's that's what I would hope. And so I, I think uh, really what we're talking about here is, is talking about sort of Christian identity and, and beliefs um, getting in the way of the therapeutic relationship rather than just the natural out overflow, if you like, of, of what God's put in us, you know, the kind of the things that God values, you know. Um, so I think that's important. Um, that we don't kind of part those things at the door and, and, and become someone different. Yeah, absolutely agree, Ellen. I think that's that's very true. I think the examples that you guys have given, they sound really healthy and it kind of makes sense that you would need to kind of park part of who you are in a way in a professional context. I think for me, um, actually maybe home and church or home and faith community is is where I see maybe more challenge um, because there isn't really a clear reason why I would be a different person at home than I am the church service in the morning but I do I do recognize that I can I can be bubbly and sociable when I'm in that context and also with uh, a role as kind of part of the leadership team 
if I have had a difficult week and I just bring that to everybody that I meet on a Sunday morning, on one hand, it's a relief to be real, to quote our dear friend Anna. Um, but on the other hand, if I do that all the time, um, then there's a limit on my role in that community. So I think the problem then is um, if, I, if I'm that way in that context and then I go home and I'm grumpy or disrespectful to my wife, do you see what I mean? I think Owen talked about this in his talk of actually at home, that's in a way where we're most ourselves. It's where we're most unguarded or maybe unconstructed um, because we're always projecting something of ourselves in the context we're in. But at home, we kind of almost default to how are we like really feeling? What what I'm hearing you're saying, shining light on this from a different angle now, is that as well as the kind of pressure that we're conscious of where we deliberately say i'm not gonna i'm I'm not gonna talk about being a christian i'm not gonna pray for people i'm not gonna do all these christiany things you're saying there's also a different side where actually it's not because there's a rule or, or some kind of pressure like that to to not identify in the same way or do be like your your church self but actually you sort of feel like you have standards that you that you aren't able to live up to everywhere. Is that right? Yeah, and I think in some way that's natural, but I think Owen challenged it as well in the talk of like which of yourselves do you, you know, do you bring to church, for example? And I think there is a tendency where we feel like we should be nice, we should be positive, helpful. If I listen well to people uh, in one context and then not at home, or if I pray for people who are sick, um, at church, but I won't do that with my own kids. Uh, to me, that's then an inconsistency. And I think it's a it's a two-way street, I think. So I think on one hand, don't be fake, you know, be real. And don't feel any need to be nice or fake um, in a church context. Uh, and I think that's a really good challenge, uh, especially for those of us who are quite wired to be people pleasers. But then on the other hand, um, there's a challenge to me too around why am I showing up this way at home? Like actually it is an issue if I'm grumpy or if I'm angry or, you know, tending to lose my temper at home in a way that I would never in a, in a work context or a church context, then actually there's something that I think God probably wants to get my attention on with that. Now, now you've used a, a difficult word there that we've used in, in previous discussions, the word why. Why is that? That's a very incisive question. What is it that's that 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 makes us feel like we're one self in one place and another self in another place? Let's stick with that example of church, if we, if you like, because because yeah, I, I I can see that. I can identify with that and wanting to appear different in different places sometimes, or or just feeling that I'm able to be different in different places. Um, who else identifies with that or has an idea about why that is? Well, I think we've touched on it in other weeks when we've been chatting, recording the podcast, that we can't be perfect all the time. We can't, we have high standards for ourselves often, and it's not realistic that we can always behave in the same way. So to me, presenting myself as being together, whatever that means, but I think you know what I mean, um, requires effort because it's not really the deep down me 
So, of course, when I go to church, I would make that effort, but I couldn't possibly make that effort all the time, which is why it's so great to have a safe place to go back to where I don't have to make that effort. And I, d- I just don't want to kind of kind of um, qualify that we're not suggesting that people have to not be real and therefore be their perfect selves all of the time. I think we're talking about trying to integrate ourselves, but it's actually quite tricky to work out. It's okay. I mean, you can be known for something that you don't do most of the time. You know, Usain Bolt is known as a sprinter, but I don't think he always runs at the same pace, does he? Ah, yeah, that's a good That's a good way to look at it, Ben. That feels like a relief in itself. Thank you. <laughs> but the, the things that can cause us stress is where we fear that someone's going to call us out, I think, you know, where we fear mm. that maybe, or maybe we say that to ourselves. We maybe say, I'm not consistent enough. I'm not, I'm a hypocrite. And I was wondering about something that myself and my colleagues at work talk about sometimes, which is imposter syndrome. <laughs> Have you heard people say that where you kind of feel as though you're in a role where you don't necessarily think you've got the skills for the role, but other people seem to think you have? Absolutely, absolutely. And and I've just taken on a, a big responsibility, which I am very glad that everyone thinks I can do. I rationally I think yeah, I can probably do it, but but there's a there's an inner alarm going off going, I don't feel ready for this. I think I might have felt ready for it in a year's time or some other time in the future. And it's and it, and it's stressful. Um that feeling is isn't good and i think then what's the what is the best way to deal with it is it is it just to kind of squish it down and hope that nobody notices or is it it better to to be open about it and risk damaging people's confidence uh where do you do that where's a good place to, to 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 do that it's nice to share with friends but how do we grow to be that not that more kind of integrated version of ourselves that, that can maybe avoid things like that? I just have to tell myself. It's literally like self-talk, like a kind of mantra. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Because I haven't ever found that's lessened, especially at work. I always look around and think, oh, others could do better. Or, you know, I, I, I don't know why, because I know that I can, if I stop, if I stop myself, and use my head, not my heart, then I know that I can do 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 my job and do it well. But my heart always has this kind of could do better mantra that I really have to squash down. I think that's what I do, Bern. I squash it down. I do talk about it. I have prayed about it. I think I've tried to process it, but it is still there. And I wonder whether always mm. I'll just have to, I call it mind over matter it, you know, just tell myself bring it to the front of my consciousness, acknowledge it and crack on. Mm. I'm not sure if anyone has any other wisdom mm. they can share with me because I'd be happy to go a different route. But it seems like it's just a niggle for me that probably seems like it will be long term, has been so far. Mm. It, it may actually go back to some incidents where other people haven't believed in me in the early days of my career, where I had a really negative person who was my boss. She was like it with everybody, but it did really affect me. And perhaps that's still a throwback to that time. I mean, I can give an an example where I've noticed this at work for myself is that many years ago, I worked in a difficult environment, which was highly stressed. And the boss was difficult to work for. 
potentially very controlling, potentially narcissistic. And I worked in that environment and found it, I didn't realise at the time, but realise now that possibly got slightly traumatised by trying to work in that environment. I have noticed subsequently, as the years have gone on, that I, in work, I become somebody who will just almost not say anything and can just say yes to anything I'm asked. Whereas I'm I'm not, I, I don't like confrontation, but, you know, I'll just say, yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. Yes. I, or, or just want to keep the boss happy. And I've, it's in my new environment, it's taken me a long time to start to trust my, my new boss and actually be able to speak up and say, actually, I might have a different opinion or I think we should do it this way or I think we should do it that way. I have, it's taken me a while to feel confident and trust, to trust that person enough to do that. It sounds like the awareness of that is a helpful thing on its own. How did you how did you gain that awareness? Did it did did it uh did it creep up on you? Was it a lot of self reflection, or did you need some help? Yeah, uh, probably being a therapist, I spend a lot of time just self reflecting, and I have I have undertaken lots of therapy, counselling. I've undertaken the emotional focus course and sharing with people, and the more we become self aware. And recognizing the sensations and how we're responding in, in different circumstances. I'm going, oh, you know, I, I feel really anxious. I've, I've only gone in to have a word with my boss, but actually I'm feeling really anxious. And my heart is beating quite rapidly and I'm a bit sweaty. And then go, what, what is that all about? What, why is that? And then either taking it, for me, probably taking it into, ther- into, into counselling, into therapy, and exploring that or just sharing with close friends my triplet or exploring it on the emotion focused but increasing that self-awareness then you can get then you have that aha moment ah that's why okay and then you can start to to retrain your brain helen can i ask you do you find that you get um a, a bit of a buzz when you share uh, some of these insights that you've got through your self-reflection with other people does it leave you feeling more relaxed because you feel more known how do you feel after you've shared that with people more intimately yeah that's a, a really good question because this one Owen is really hard to share actually this one I have been denied whether or not to share it because I am almost sharing a past trauma and I'm recognizing that I still have fear around that experience and um that is bringing up those big feelings again those difficult feelings of that trauma so that that is hard at the moment so there's some things that you would be more comfortable and you'd actually enjoy telling other people but there's some things that actually the pain and trauma is so great that and it's still present in your life that actually it, it actually is very it's actually traumatic yeah you're reliving it absolutely so for me it would depend how integrated i I have it. So if I've moved on from that and I've really integrated those experiences, then I'm going to feel safer to be able to share them. Um, whereas talking about it now, I can tell that it's still not fully integrated. Whereas other ones that I've shared in the past, um, I feel more safer to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
I want to add as well, I think we've used the word integration quite a lot. Um, integrated means whole and being one. I, I think that going back to something that Dan said earlier or addressing something Dan said, earlier, it's not about having to share everything of yourself with everyone all of the time. Although some of us extroverts can't help ourselves. But it's also actually about the sense of being willing to share that about yourself and not feeling the need to hide it or the desire to hide it because of shame. Um, so, so it's not just about being all out there all the time, but it is about being willing to share everything and having nothing that you're, you're kind of hiding. But as Helen's already identified, there's some things that for, in order for us to share openly with other people about, we've got to do some, we've got to do some work on. And we've actually got to, got to, got to embrace, well, we've got to go back to those places of pain and trauma and actually, you know, in a, in a careful way, perhaps under the guidance of a professional, actually start to look at some of those things and actually start to process them so that at some point in the future, we might be able to share about it in a way that is, isn't going to just re-traumatize ourselves, right? So, um, so I think it is, I think integration means being willing to, I don't know if you guys would agree with that. Yeah, I certainly agree with what you've said about it not being hiding any aspect of ourselves because of shame and that we have to do some work and some digging to understand why, you know, why we might want to hide certain things. And for me, that also links back to why we have these expectations of ourselves in certain contexts, particularly. Owen, in your talk, you you mentioned, you know, the the heritage of the church being the kind of moral police of society. And I think that's one factor of why we would feel those expectations to show up a certain way or be certain kind of people. I think some of the teaching of the Bible around the kind of people we're becoming and the expectation that we should be demonstrating more of the fruit of the spirit, for example. So we, we have this expectation on us rightly or wrongly and i think just even this conversation of understanding recognizing that it's there and then recognizing why therefore i might want to hide certain parts of my life from uh you know from from certain audiences is really really important but it definitely takes some work and some digging but it's hopeful as well as we talk about this because it means it's i think the first step of of a way forward through it yeah, Sweet, yeah, yeah, and I often just think we we don't we don't we're never going to know all about our, into ourselves. It's just an, an 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 ongoing journey. But sometimes it's just for me. I feel it's just like bring the elephant into the room. It's a word I use a lot. Bring the elephant to the room. You might just be saying, "I'm just feeling really crabby. I've had a really difficult day." You know, when you get home, rather than trying to suck it all in. Just go, I'm really bad tempered or I'm really stressed. I'm so tired. I'm going to apologize now before I even open my mouth. And other things, you know, like just say, oh, I just feel really worried here because, but just bring that elephant in. And often I don't know why, but we don't feel we can do that. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really important that that idea of of not just putting a barrier around ourselves and a hard hat on and a sign saying under construction as we go mm. digging deeper and deeper into us to try and fix our own problems ultimately if we can get the simplest things done in relationship and just fess up to i'm having a bad day <laughs> you know then yeah. then that relieves all the stress that would take a 100 hours of digging i think so it strikes me yeah.
Can I make a suggestion of something that that's really made a difference in places where I've worked, and I think it makes a difference in my it's made a difference in my family as well, and it feels like a bit of a step of faith because I think we can get lost in this kind of how do we fix ourselves, how do we help, how do we get other people to fix us, and honestly, I think the the best way out of that I've found is is different. <laughs> it's it's to start investing in other people, and 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 take a step of faith that this can co- this can all come around back. The simplest thing we can do, I think, is to encourage other people well. In, in the workplace, we often don't get encouragement or the kind of encouragement that we'd really like. We sometimes just get like, oh, good job, occasionally. But encouraging people well is noticing what someone's done, being specific about it, and saying a bit more about like what impact you saw it had and, and what a difference it makes and and what it tells you if you're going to really really encourage someone you know then then take it to them and say what it tells you what what you think it tells you about them as a person and that's like whoa that's that's quite weighty encouragement which we're not all used to and we can't demand it from other people until we've shown how to do it ourselves so i think the best way is we give it out and when we when we give it out, sometimes then we find that that other people start doing the same thing, and then and then when we need it, we get it back. Yes. And and when we can be in a place where we've got a culture of encouragement and people are are being specific about what they're seeing is working really well, then it's also a, a good environment for people to say where things aren't working so well, and then we find that we can be a bit more honest and real with each other and a bit more integrated. Um, it takes a long time. <laughs> it takes months to do that in a workplace. It takes years to do that in a family, I think. But uh, I have seen it happen, and it's really good. That's really good advice, Ben. I, I like that a lot. And me, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I hope that this series has has given you some encouragement. Uh, we'd love to see encouragement everywhere. We, well, I want to be a better encourager. I, I recognise that we've talked about a lot of things that make us uncomfortable, feel difficult, and... Um, even fearful sometimes when, when we when, when we think about how other people see us or it gives us all that sort of anxiety. Um, there's a little quote from the Bible um, that perfect love casts out all fear. And I wonder if that's a good uh, place to leave it because because rather than getting obsessed with ourselves, we can look outwards and we can love and we can encourage other people. And, and I want to believe that God works with us as we're doing it we're just actually joining in his work when we do that anyway aren't we but i just want to say if if anybody has found this really helpful and and wants to know more one of the ways in which they can do that is by doing a taster session of our emotionally focused pathway it's literally like dipping your toe in and just trying it for yourself and if anyone would like to do that then uh, they they can check that out on our website uh sevenminute.org forward slash emotionally focused brilliant so we will be back with more on on this sort of topic uh after a few months of thinking about how we live it um we will look forward to seeing you another time <laughs> i didn't feel like our usual slick ending today <laughs> do you remember the when you used to watch rainbow as a kid yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and bungle and zippy bye. and everyone would go goodbye, goodbye. Phew, i'm glad that one's done it doesn't really work on <laughs>